All right, well, it's good to see you guys tonight. Um, yeah, welcome as well if you're visiting, especially you guys from Boys Brigade. It's awesome. Um, we are going to keep going this series. We've been going through this year. Um, so if you've sort of been away, I'll just bring you up to speed a little bit. Um, so we're doing this, and then actually next week, with Dave is going to start a new series at the combined um, lunch um, on mission. So we do that for four weeks, and then come back and keep sort of going through this this teaching of Jesus. Um, we're calling the way. And again, it's been a bit different. We're saying that Jesus um, followers of Jesus early on called themselves followers of the way, and what they did was they looked at Jesus, they looked at his teachings, his way of life, and said, "Well, what do what does it look like to follow him?" We take our lead from Jesus rather than starting with our issues or questions or concerns, and then coming and imposing them on Jesus. So. This is what we're sort of doing, and we're going through some of his teaching about the kingdom, which Jesus talks about over and over again. And at what we're going to come to now, we did a, a few weeks ago, we talked about anger. Today we're talking about adultery, about lust, about divorce. And these are some hard things, and not normally things that we kind of like to talk about, right? But the reason why we're going here is because this is where Jesus goes. So when Jesus has his, his chance, this is like his main teaching, these are the things he chooses to talk about. These are the things that he say, these are big issues. These are really important. This, my way is the better way. Let's follow it. So that's, that's sort of why we're going there. Um, I just want to remind us of a couple of things before we start. We've just been saying this each week, but I think it's really good to sort of frame um, this. Jesus is saying some hard things, but remember, Jesus is love, right? God is love. Jesus comes in love. Everything he says, particularly the hard things he says, are in love. They're not to make you feel shame. They're not to make you feel guilt. They're not to make you feel bad at all. But they are to bring life. And like a doctor sometimes needs to do something that might be painful, a surgery. But actually the point, the purpose is not to hurt or to harm, but to bring life. And the same way Jesus might say some things that are very hard, that may make us uncomfortable. They may make us feel bad even. But the purpose is, again, not for that, but in order to bring life and freedom and wholeness. So again, that's, that's the first. What Jesus is saying is said in love. And again, Jesus again and again throughout the Gospels tells people, don't be afraid, do not fear. So again, Jesus' words are not meant to produce fear. He warns of dangers. He warns of things that if you go down that path, it's not a good path to go to. But the point is not to make you really, really afraid. The point is, is to warn you and say, don't go there, go this way. This is the path of life. This is the path of, of the kingdom. So let's just sort of keep that in mind as we go through. And, and in all of that, remember, our life, our hope, our confidence is in Jesus. It's not in our works. It's not that we have to work really hard to get right with God. We are right with God because of Jesus. But because of who Jesus is, we follow him and walk in his kingdom. He says that's the way of life. To reject that and go a different way is, is, is to reject the way of life to go towards death. It's not about earning, but it does require some effort on our part to walk and work with God. So that's kind of just to frame it as we go. So what, what we've been saying, though, as we're going through a few teachings is, is Jesus is talking about the common understanding of what the law was or what God wanted people to do and, and how he wanted to live. And Jesus is saying this is what was there in the Old Testament. And he doesn't say that's bad or wrong. But he says, that was what was said before. This is what I say. This is what it is actually like in the kingdom of God. And we looked at the command not to murder and how that's normally pretty easy to follow. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus is a command not to be angry or to harbor anger or hold a grudge against someone else because it's actually the heart posture that God really cares about. 
And in a similar way, we're going to look at this next teaching around adultery. We're going to go through what Jesus says about adultery and adultery of the heart, and then we're going to try and just talk a little bit about what he says about divorce, which is a massive topic, quite controversial. I'm just going to give a few thoughts about it tonight, um, because we're just trying to be faithful and follow what Jesus is saying as we seek to follow him. So I hope you guys are all right. That's, that's where we're going tonight. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. So he's saying, you have heard it was said. So this is Old Testament, the command, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, one of the Ten Commandments, all the religious um, Pharisees, the scribes, the guys, they knew that that was the command, right? To, to follow God, to obey God, you must not commit adultery. And this is this high value of marriage, that God made marriage, he made male and female, he, he made us to be able to have sex, and the point is to be able to be one flesh, this intimate connection, which is a very different story to our culture. Our culture kind of just says sex is just this thing. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just, it's just fun. It's just play. It's just pleasure. Whereas the biblical understanding is, no, this is a deep, committing, intimate, gluing together of two souls. It's this incredibly important, powerful thing that God has given. Therefore, to break that... Is, is really bad. It's, and it's not just that it's wrong, but it's damaging. It's damaging to relationships. It's damaging to families. And this is pretty clear, right, that you should not commit adultery. And in our culture, right, that, that's probably understood that it's not right. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's not, not too big a deal. And it's this whole different story and different understanding of sex. But back then, right, people were like, okay, that's fairly easy to follow, right? Don't commit adultery. As long as you don't actually go and do that thing with that other person, then you've kept the commands. You're, you're pleasing God. You're right in God's sight. But Jesus again says, right, it's not just about the external following the rules. It's about the heart posture, about the inner desires of the heart. So this is what Jesus says. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now Jesus frames this towards men, particularly, and, and this is, for the most part, probably a bigger issue for men. It's obviously an issue for men and women, though, but as, as we go through, Jesus is focusing on the men in this teaching. And what he's saying, right, is that the, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, would think, it doesn't matter what I think about women, doesn't matter what I feel about women, doesn't matter what I fantasize about women, as long as I haven't committed adultery... I'm living faithful to God, I'm pleasing God, I'm honoring God, I'm, I'm in God's, God's will. Where Jesus says, no, this is a heart issue. And for someone to actually go and do that act with somebody else, it's not their, their spouse, that doesn't start there, right? You don't just wake up and all of a sudden that happens. Like, it starts with this heart posture, which starts with what he talks about looking lustfully. Again, we don't really sort of use that language. Our culture doesn't really use that language. And this can be misunderstood. So I want to I give you some understanding around what he actually means because I think some people have been unnecessarily burdened by this. And sometimes what Jesus is saying actually sounds impossible. But again, he's not telling us things that are impossible. He, he's telling us things to grow in and live in, which are impossible in our own strength, only possible with his power and, and strength. But he does expect us to, to walk in them. So what is Jesus not saying? Jesus is not saying that sexual desire is wrong. Sometimes it's easy to sort of read it like that. But Jesus was a Jew. 
right? Jesus was, is from Israel, and the Bible is a celebration. There's, there's, there's books of the Bible, a whole book of the Bible, Song of Songs, that celebrate sex, that says this is an awesome thing, this is a good thing that God has made. Part of being made in the image of God is to have sexual desire. It's not wrong. It's actually good. It's actually a part of who you are. And it's, and it's not to be rejected. It's not to be thought of as bad. It's not to be, I just wish I just didn't have these feelings. If they just went away, everything would be good. Like They, they are good desires given by God. That, that's, but the desire, the point of it is this one flesh union, male and female, in the covenant of marriage. That that's what it's for. But it, Jesus is not saying that desire, feeling desires is wrong. Jesus is not saying finding someone attractive is wrong. Because again, th that for the most part is probably out of your hands, right? You see someone and you think that they're beautiful, you notice they're attractive. That, that is not something that you can choose to do or not. Unless you choose to like lock yourself away in a room, never see someone of the opposite sex for like the rest of your life, you can choose to do that. Um, but otherwise, finding someone attractive is just finding someone attractive. You just notice they're a beautiful person, um, they're someone that you might feel attracted to. That's, that's not, Jesus is not saying that that's wrong. Jesus is not even saying feeling sexual desire for someone else is wrong. Because again, that's pretty much out of your control. Particularly for guys, right? It can be, can, that, that can happen very quickly just by, by seeing something. That a, a feeling can come without any choice, without any willpower, without any desire. It's just, it's just a feeling. Jesus is not saying feeling sexual desire is wrong because that, again, is fairly, pretty much out of your control. So what is Jesus saying? This is what he's saying. Looking at someone in order to feel or in order to cultivate sexual desire is wrong. That's actually an act of the will. It's an act of the heart. You see what I mean? That feeling sexual desire is not a heart thing. Finding someone attractive is not a heart thing. But to choose to look at someone in order to feel sexual desire is a hard thing. It's actually a decision of the heart. I want to read you a few different translations of this passage because some different translations kind of make, make a little bit more sense what, what he's actually saying. This is from the ESV. Jesus says, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, so that when you're looking, the intent is to lust, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this is this idea that, that the heart wants to do the act. That if there was no consequences, if no one else found out about it, that in your heart you would want to do that. Jesus is saying that, that that's where this starts. That's what we have to deal with. This is a commentator. He, he translates it this way. Every man who is looking at a woman in order to lust after her. Dallas Willard puts it this way. He simply says that those who look upon a woman for the purpose of lusting for her using her visual presence as a means to savor the fantasized act, has therefore committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, it's the purpose, it's, it's why you're looking. So it's not, it's not when you look and just notice someone that they're attractive, it's when you look again. It's when you, when you choose to stare. It's when you choose to cultivate the feelings. It's when you choose to dwell on the act. And, and again, this is incredibly countercultural, because right? this is... Society says there's nothing wrong at all with this. But Jesus is saying the kingdom is different. The kingdom is about this wholeness, this purity of heart. The message translation translates it this way. You know the next commandment pretty well too. 
Don't go to bed with another spouse. But don't think you've preserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks you think nobody notices, they also corrupt. And again, this is the issue, right? Jesus, when he's talking, he's talking about life in the kingdom. The issue is life. And we're going to see as, as we keep looking at what he's saying. But he's saying that to, to, the, the religious leaders right, thought, as long as I'm not committing adultery, it's all good, it's fine. But Jesus is saying, no, cultivating this in your heart is still destructive. It, 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 it hurts others. It hurts yourself. It's not the purity of heart that looks like life with God, a life of love, a life in the kingdom. But this is, this is, this is incredibly countercultural, right? This is, this is crazy. And, and maybe even, even for Christians, you kind of think, oh, that just, that just sounds impossible, that just sounds too far, or that just sort of sounds extreme. Like, surely it doesn't really matter. Like, surely nobody knows about what I'm thinking about. Nobody knows if I just look at somebody. Nobody knows um, if I'm just doing something at home that, that doesn't affect anybody else. It's easy to kind of think like that, right? It's easy to, 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 to have those thoughts in our hearts. Well, well, adultery really hurts somebody, but just looking a bit longer, just, just looking at porn, just sort of thinking about stuff, that doesn't really hurt anybody. It's not really that bad. It's really okay. But Jesus is saying it's not, that it actually affects your heart. It's actually incredibly, um, an actually a problem that needs to be dealt with. And, and one thing that's helped me in this in understanding that what, what is actually the problem? Why is it so bad? Why is it not okay? Our culture says it's fine, right? They said that there's nothing wrong with that at all. But to Jesus, he's saying, no, this is, this is really not okay. But why is that? The reason it's not okay is because when you do that, when a man does that to a woman, looks and stares, when a, when a woman does that to a man, you cease treating that person as a person. You cease treating them as a, as a person with a personality, with a history, with a story, with a family, with desires and wants. And in that moment, you treat them as an object that exists in order to make you feel good. That is really getting to the heart of why this is so terrible. And, and remember, God, God made us sexual beings in order to have this intimate relationship between two people. It's incredibly people, personality, intimacy-based. But when we do this, it turns someone into an object. It makes it just about pleasure and feelings and consuming, not about love or intimacy at all. This is how one commentator describes it. He says, the other person is no longer really a unique human being. She or he is now simply kindling, tinder, a thing, a way for one to enjoy oneself, to express oneself, to feel one's powers. Jesus' concern is the human being and her or his valuation. See, Jesus cares about people. Jesus loves people. And this issue of, of lust or adultery of the heart is an issue because it devalues the people that you're looking at and it, and it devalues your own sexuality and what, what sex is for. This is why it's such a big issue. And again, this, this idea of objectifying people in, in our culture is just a normal accepted thing that it's okay to use sex to sell cars it's okay to use pictures of women to sell all kinds of things 
that, it's, that it's, it's okay to do that, but it's actually taking a human being, using them as an object to advertise in order to sell a product, and it's, it's terrible. It's not okay, but we're, we're, we're sort of bombarded with it every day, all the time. We can start to sort of think that's, that's just normal, but, but it's not. It's not the way of the kingdom. It's not the way of Jesus at all. That, that he's, he's, he's actually made us for this intimate, close, loving relationship to have purity of heart, to see people as people, not just as body parts, to be used for our gratification. That, that, that's really what the issue is. Then Jesus keeps going and says, well, well what are you supposed to do, right? Like, like, how do we respond to this? And, and this is a huge thing, right? This is why he's talking about it. This is incredibly challenging, incredibly hard, and probably more, more so in our culture today, right? Because the messages are there all the time. The temptation is there all the time. People can access pictures and images and video in a second all the time. It's always there. It's incredibly difficult to walk and live in this purity of heart. But what does Jesus say in response? This is what he says. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. A good way to understand what he's saying here when he says hell is Gehenna. It's like a rubbish dump. It's like destruction led towards death. He says this, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. What is Jesus saying? Right. Again, what is Jesus not saying? Jesus is not saying, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye. Although there have been people in, in the history of the church who have thought that he was saying that and have done that, which is not a good idea, so don't do that. What is he saying, though, right? Like, he, he, he's, Jesus is actually using um, a, a language, literary technique of hyperbole. He's intentionally being extreme. He's intentionally using extreme language to make a point. So what is his point? Jesus' point is, take extreme measures to deal with sin. And he's particularly talking about this sin. Right? He's talking about the adultery of the heart, lust. Jesus is saying, take extreme measures to deal with this, to deal with the temptation that comes, to deal with the situations that you go to that, that make it hard. Don't see this as just a light thing. Don't, don't say, oh, it's just my little problem. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really affect anybody else. It's okay. Jesus is saying that don't do that because it, that will cause it to grow and that leads to death. It leads to destruction. And he's not saying that if you slip up and make another mistake, you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying at all. His, again, the point is life. But he's saying that that act, that practice leads to destruction. It destroys our hearts, it destroys relationships, it destroys intimacy, it destroys family, it affects our relationship with God. It's, it's not a, just a little thing, it, it's, it's serious, is what Jesus is saying. And therefore, serious steps need to be taken to deal with it. What might that be? Right? What might that look like? And again, particularly in our culture, right, when, when there's temptation all the time, it's always there, there therefore needs to be probably even more serious steps to deal with it, while still living in the culture, while still being a part of it. So what, what might that look like? That might mean that, that as followers of Jesus, who want to live in his way, 
that we choose to do, choose not to do certain things that, that other people would just choose to do and they're fine. Maybe there's certain places that we just don't go. Because, not because they're, 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 it's wrong, it's, this is not like a rule, but because you know that if you go to that place, if you hang out with that friend, that this is going to be tempting. And Jesus says, don't test it. Don't go there. And maybe that friend is a friend that is like very, very close and, 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 and that to, to lose them would feel like losing a body part. But Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's worth it. May, there may be need to be extreme decisions, extreme situations. Maybe it looks like some extreme measures. If something like porn is a, is a trouble at home, maybe it looks like extreme measures of accountability, of limited access. There's people who have even not had smartphones to deal with that. Maybe putting something in place that's, that is extreme to deal with it. This may look like not choosing to watch certain TV shows or not choosing to go to certain movies, or at least not watch certain scenes. And again, that is like, that's starting probably to sound really legalistic. That's probably starting to sound like, oh, Tim, don't go down that path. That's like the conservative Christian, like not watching certain movies and TV shows. I, I was listening to a speaker who talked about this, and, and this, is, this is a hard area, right? Because... We don't want to be cut off from society. We want to, want to be part of society. And particularly for people who like the arts, who, who like creativity, this is a hard topic and a hard issue. But the way that he framed it was like this. I thought this was really helpful. He said the three big things, right, particularly in films, particularly in TV shows, are really violence, swearing, and sex scenes. If you watch violence on a movie, it's, it's fairly unlikely that you're going to want to go out and kill somebody or you're going to punch somebody, or you're going to hit somebody after watching that. If you watch swearing in a movie, it's probably fairly unlikely that it's going to make you go swear at someone or, or, or just abuse someone in a movie. But if you watch people having sex on a screen in a movie, to, to watch that for a minute is probably already sin. You pr probably can't really watch that without lusting. And therefore, maybe that, that category is different to violence, to strength. Maybe that category is actually, that is not something that we should watch. And maybe that means we, we either just don't watch that movie or we look away or we skip that. We don't choose not to watch certain TV shows. Again, it sounds legalistic, but it's, the point is not a rule. The point is there may need to be extreme measures to deal with that. And that is a personal decision that's not... Let's not go and tell everyone else they can't watch certain things. It, it's, it's your decision between you and God. But to think, well, what really effect is this happening on me? Is this actually a temptation that's going to lead me down this path, that's going to cultivate it and make this worse? Then don't go there. And you're like, that, might, that seems extreme. It's like Jesus said, take extreme measures to deal with this. It's worth it, is what he's saying. This is how one commentator explains it again. He says, The meaning of Jesus' challenge is to take decisive action against that habit, thing, or person that though pleasurable and perhaps even seemingly indispensable for living, like a hand, right? You need your hand, is in fact ruining our lives. Jesus does not advise cautious, gradual action. He counsels surgery and immediately. He does not advise band-aids. He commands amputations. 
And again, he's not saying this in terms of earning anything with God. He's saying that this has an effect on your life, on your relationships, on the kingdom. This is deadly. This is destructive. And, and we might say, well, this is really, really hard. And then Jesus is saying, yes, this is really, really hard, which is why really, really hard steps need to be taken to deal with this. And again, like, like I've been saying sort of throughout, often this can, this can be a challenge, and this can produce shame and guilt, and that's not the desire or the goal, because that doesn't, it doesn't help to, to feel guilt over sin in terms of not not there's a there's a type of guilt that feels like I've done something wrong. There's another type of guilt which is I'm such a bad person. It's this sort of shame, this this guilt, this sort of self rejection. That doesn't help people change. And if if that's sort of where you're at, maybe and, and I've been there lots of times, right, where you've done something wrong that you know you're not supposed to do, and it's just this guilt, this shame, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, that doesn't lead to change. And Jesus is not saying to do that. Jesus is saying, we're forgiven. We're, we're, there's grace. There's, not, there's no shame. The response to have instead is a response of mourning and realize, actually, this act is, is damaging me. It's damaging that person. It's damaging the way I see people. It's damaging my relationship with God. And, and to mourn that. And, it, and if that's sort of where you're at and you're mourning, that's good. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the place to be. Not the guilt, shame, but the, oh, this is bad. This hurts people. This hurts me. This hurts God. To, to stay in that place. Not to stay there, but to, but to get to that place. That, that, that's a different place to the guilt and shame place. And then when, if, this is a, if, if this is a big issue, this is, again, it's not something that, that is just a quick fix. It's really simple. This is, this is massive and, and hard. I hope no one thinks, I hope you don't think I'm, I'm saying that this is just an easy thing to do. This is, this is hard. And the thing to do as well is to realize that, that we have legitimate needs as well. And so if, if there is a real temptation, if this is a really big problem, a thing to do as well is to say, well, why is this such a big problem right now? Why am I so tempted in this way right now? What do I actually need? And often, this is, this is, this is, not, this is, like, this is just my opinion. Of, often, what we need is connection with people and intimacy. Right? That, that, that's actually the, what this desire is. That, that God has made us to live in connection, in relationship, and closeness. And if there's really strong desire to, to lust or to go into sexual sin, the thing to do is to step back and say, well, what do I actually need? Because God has actually made us that we don't need sex to live. Right? Jesus never had sex. Jesus lived a perfectly pure life, full life. Jesus is our example of life. And Jesus is fully God and fully human. He fully had all the desires that every guy has. Yet Jesus was pure. Jesus lived a full life without sex. We can live life without sex. Our culture says that's impossible. Our culture says that is not a valid life. That is not a worthwhile life. That, that's a lie. That, that singleness, celibacy is a valid life that Jesus affirms, Jesus demonstrates. But... 
We cannot live without intimacy, without connection, without love. That is impossible. We are made to be connected in intimate relationships. That doesn't have to be married relationships. It doesn't have to be sexual relationships. But it has to be a relationship where there's intimacy, where there's connection. And often, when this is a massive problem for someone, the issue, and this has been true in my life, the issue is that I'm isolated. I'm not connected to anybody else. I'm just in my own world. I've not had an intimate um, conversation or talk with anybody else. And, and therefore, this issue is really, really hard. So the need is not, is not what the temptation is going to. The need is actually a connection with God, a connection with other people. So this, project, this, this progression can be really helpful. Not guilt and shame, but mourning. And then moving on to, well, what actually is the legitimate need that needs to be met? So this, is, this is, again, just another quote um, from Tom Wright. He says this, This is not repression. Because again, the culture might say, this is repressive. Like, this, is, this is terrible what you're teaching on. This is, this is not repressive, as people sometimes suggest. It's more like the pruning of a rose, cutting off of some healthy buds so that the plant may grow stronger and produce better flowers. Again, these desires are good, but they are for marriage, for union, with, with someone of the opposite sex in the covenant of marriage for intimate, close, one flesh union. So they're good desires. They need to be managed. They need to be stewarded. He says this, Choosing not to be swept away by inappropriate sexual passion may feel on occasion like cutting off a hand or plucking out an eye, and our world has frequently tried to tell us that doing this is very bad for us. So again, the culture might say to, to deny desires is very bad. He says, but neither for the first nor the last time we must choose to obey the Lord rather than the world. That this is incredibly countercultural, but Jesus' way is countercultural. Right? Jesus' way is, is very different. Jesus' way is the way of life, the way of his kingdom. So that is a massive topic, right? And and we're gonna kind of just shift now and to finish up, we're just going to look at what Jesus says in the next paragraph in this, in this sermon that he's giving, and he talks, starts to talk about divorce. And again, this is, this is related to this issue right, of adultery. And I'm just going to give you a few comments on this, because again, we're trying to take seriously what Jesus says, say, how do we follow Jesus? What does it mean? What does it look like? Um, this topic, though, is huge. Um, it is controversial. There's, there's people who disagree, who, who are strong Christians, who love God, who disagree about what the Bible says on this. So I encourage you to do your own work. I encourage you to think through this topic. I encourage you to study. Um, I'm just going to share kind of where I've landed on this. Um, and just, just a couple of people that I sort of respect have landed on this. Um, but by all means, there's people who will disagree in this church on this topic, and that's okay. Um, and I encourage you to, to go on this journey looking at this yourself. So this is what Jesus says. Again, he's talking about the old and then his way. So he says this. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Now, this is referencing something in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. There's this, this verse that talks about that if, if a man finds something um, some unfaithfulness or something displeasing, something, something wrong in his wife, or the, or the word is this unfaithfulness in his wife, that he can give her a certificate of divorce and he can divorce her. 
So this is, this is in Deuteronomy 24. But the context of this is that this was a massively controversial debate that was going on in the first century around what that verse actually meant. Because the verse seems to say that the issue is adultery. So if the wife is unfaithful, if she commits adultery, the husband can give her a certificate of divorce, which says this woman is divorced and that they're divorced. That that, that is allowable in Deuteronomy. But there was this whole school of, of teachers, of people that thought in Jesus' time that what this, this certificate of divorce actually, the verse actually said, was that anything that displeases the husband, anything that the husband doesn't like about the wife, if she just makes a mistake one day, if she doesn't cook very nice food, if, if you're just in a bad mood, you can divorce her, as long as you give her a certificate. Right, that's, that's all you have to do. So there's these two schools of thought. There's one that says, well, no, you, the, the only reason to divorce is adultery. And there's another school of thought that said, well, no, you can divorce for any reason, as long as you give a certificate of divorce. If, the, if she, it doesn't please you, it's okay. So Jesus is speaking into that context. And in that context, Jesus says, it has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. And then he says this, but I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now this, this is, seems very extreme and, and is extreme, but it, it makes more sense in this context that what Jesus is saying is the group that says it's just adultery are right, the group that say you can divorce for any reason are wrong. And I want to give you some more details about that in a second. But what he's saying is, Jesus is speaking to a culture that for a lot of people, there's this easy divorce culture. It's anything, you just, you're just having troubles. It's just not that great. There's, there's just a problem. It's okay, you can just get a divorce. Jesus is speaking into that and saying, no, that's not God's heart. Again, people were saying, well, as long as I gave a certificate, I've been faithful to God. I followed God. And Jesus is saying, no, unless there's, there's unfaithfulness in the marriage, it's not a valid divorce in God's eyes. And if it's not a valid divorce, to go and be with someone else is to commit adultery. And if you're pushing someone out to make them go and be with someone else, you're forcing them to commit adultery. That's the context that Jesus is speaking into. So his point is that, 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 that marriage is this one flesh union is this covenant that's serious and that the heart is not, again, I've just covered the legal loopholes, that's all good, I can get out. That's, that's, he's saying that that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is that this is this covenant that's incredibly important and is to be cherished and valued, that God has this high value of marriage. And there's another time when Jesus is asked about this in Matthew 19. And again, he's asked in the context of this debate. Someone comes to Jesus and says, well, Moses said, is it true that we can divorce for any reason? And then Jesus talks about the marriage certificate, but then Jesus goes back to Genesis 2.24 and says, God made the male and female to this one flesh union, and that's to leave his parents and be united to his wife let what God has joined together, no man separate God. Jesus says, come back to the heart of what marriage is about. This is this covenant relationship. That this is, this is serious. 
But sometimes this is taken too far to the other extreme and says that Jesus is completely against divorce. And that Jesus is saying that there's never a time when someone can divorce. That it's not ever allowed. And, and I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Je what Jesus is saying is that the, the easy, no-fault divorce, that's, that's not a valid divorce. But if there has been adultery particularly, then, and there's not, there's not a, an ability to forgive, because that is always God's ideal, forgiveness, reconciliation. It's never, oh, you did this, well, we have to get a divorce. It's never that. It's always the ideal is reconciliation and forgiveness. But if there's hardness of heart, if there's not forgiveness, if there's not repentance, if this relationship has been destroyed, then, then divorce is allowable. It's not the ideal, but it is allowable. Again, this is, this is, the reason why it's so controversial is because there's, there's this sort of nuance around this. Because then in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this as well. He talks about someone becoming a Christian and their wife or husband not wanting to be a Christian and choosing to walk out and leave. And Paul says again, that's okay to, to be divorced then. If, if you're abandoned by your spouse, and particularly in that context is your spouse who's not a Christian abandons you, then divorce is an option. That's okay. This, so Jesus is not saying, Jesus say adultery, Paul says divorce, which this kind of shows that, that, that's, that there, there is these allowances. One commentator that I'm listening to as well says, well, Paul's talking about abandonment and, and leaving and not being with the partner is grounds for divorce. And that can kind of, and again, this, this, this needs nuance and needs discussion and thinking, but for someone to be still physically in the home with somebody, but to be abusive, to, to, to physically abuse, emotionally, to, to be destroying the other partner, in some ways that is a form of abandonment. They are not with that partner in a covenant of marriage. They have really broken the covenant. They've really abandoned the covenant, even though they may still physically be present. And in those situations, if the covenant has been abandoned through adultery, if it's through abandoned, through, through leaving, or, or, or through some, something like this, and it needs to be carefully consulted and thought about, then divorce is allowable because of hardness of heart. Because God's desire is not that someone stays in this relationship when the covenant is broken and, and when there's this pain and there's difficulty. This is how Tim Keller, this is sort of where he lands on this as well. He has a really good book called The Meaning of Marriage, which is awesome. If, you guys, if anyone's thinking about getting married, read The Meaning of Marriage. It's really good. Um, this, is, this is what he says. Jesus denies that you can divorce for any reason. So again, Jesus is speaking into this no-fault divorce culture. By quoting Genesis 2.24, he confirms marriage is a covenant. It's not a casual relationship that can be discarded easily. And so that was the context, this easily divorced culture. It creates a strong new unity that may be broken under very, may only be broken under very serious conditions. So again, the culture was, it's okay, you can just break a marriage, just have a certificate. Jesus is saying, no, this is serious. This is a covenant. This is not broken except under very serious conditions. But he goes on to say that these serious conditions do exist because of the hardness of your hearts. That there are situations where this happens, but it's not God's ideal. 
And it, it's not just a legal, okay, look, there's the loophole, I'll, I'll, I'll take the loophole. The kingdom way is to come back to the heart behind it and to value that heart. So that, that's just a little bit, just to kind of frame a little bit what Jesus is saying. Again, I encourage you to understand, to, to, to research and, and look into what, what he really means and to come to your own views on that. I realize I think I've gone a bit long tonight, so there's a lot to, lot to sort of fit in and, and, and get through in one night. But we're going we're gonna to take communion to respond. And I realize this is, this is heavy, right? This is, this is big stuff. Um, and this is incredibly close to home. For, for all of us and we just say tonight we're just going to come back and center on Jesus remember this is Jesus this is his way these are his words he's the one that went to the cross for us he's the one that's taken our sin he's the one who offers forgiveness and life and healing like we sung before there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus we're in Christ we're good with God but to be in Christ doesn't mean we say, well, it doesn't matter what we do. It means we say, well, we believe Jesus and his way of life and we follow him. So as you respond with communion tonight, I'm just going to pray and, and just encourage you that, that, that God is for you and that he loves you, that there's forgiveness, there's healing. And if this is speaking into you and that there is a real need to take some extreme measures and I encourage you to do that, I'd be happy to talk to anyone or pray for anyone who would like to talk through that as well. And similarly, with, with this topic of divorce, is huge. And again, if that's been an issue, there is forgiveness, there is grace. It's not the unforgivable sin. It's some people treat it like that, and it's not. And, and, and this is such a short time to talk about such a big thing, so, so we need to keep sort of discussing and working through as well. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll have communion and, and, and respond after that. Father, we just thank you that, that you're a good father and that, that you know what we need and you speak your truth in love. And we just thank you, God, that, that you know our issues, you know the pain, you know the everyday problems of life that, that we all face. And Jesus, your teaching is so down to earth even in that, that you're talking about stuff that we just face all the time. But you want us to live in your way of the kingdom, your way of life. So I just pray tonight, God, would you meet us in this place? Just pray that your words would just do the work that you need them to do in our hearts for wherever we're at at the moment. Um, God, for anyone who feels ashamed or guilty tonight, God, we pray for forgiveness. We pray for a sense of your love and your peace, God. God, for anyone who needs, needs a change of heart, God, would you bring that by your spirit and by your life? And Jesus, would you just keep forming us into this community of people that follow you, that walk in your kingdom, that walk your way, and give us the strength and power to do that. That's, it's different. It's different to what we've been taught. It's different to the world. But Jesus, it's, it's your way, and you are good, and you are true. And just pray that you would show us how to do that, how to live in that. In your name we pray. Amen.